0: Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Um, Every time we do a podcast, I'm just thrilled to have you with me. Uh, across the nation, across the world. There are people who are joining in and jumping in in their leadership journey uh, just to learn and to wrap their arms around the leadership uh, qualities that are needed to be an effective leader. And so thank you so much for being a part. Thank you for telling others about this and sending these podcasts out to your friends and to your team. It really, really is something that uh, means so much to me. Uh, before we uh, get into the lesson, I want to remind you that throughout the year, I do an event called a roundtable. Uh, these are events that involve forms of people where we get together. And we begin to teach on leadership, but we also interact and we begin to engage in Q&A to try to answer current and maybe even relevant uh, kind of questions regarding leadership. And I want to encourage you that in May, I have three roundtables coming up. Uh, The first one is in Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina, and I know just based on uh, the information we receive, a lot of you listening to this are in the North Carolina area, and we just want to encourage you, if you would uh, just go to my webpage and uh, sign up, geraldbrooksministries.com, and uh, then we also have one in Toronto, Canada. And uh, that is always such a great group of people, and I think you would enjoy it. And so if you're up in the uh, Canada area on the East Coast, come and uh, be a part of that. And then our third one is in the Oakland, California area. And so that San Francisco, Oakland area, you live along there, come and join us and be a part. Now, all of these, the dates and the information are listed at com. also has all my books, resources, my latest flash drive full of about 40 lessons that could really help you, and so I just want to encourage you to take a peek there. Hey, today uh, I want to talk to you about the enemies list, the enemies list. Now, I know that that's a negative title, but I really couldn't come up with one that really fit the examples that I'm going to give you today. Uh, every leader deals with some Things that many times can cause them challenges in their leadership journey. These things can be viewed as enemies of leadership. And so I want to walk you through the enemies list, a list of things that leaders have to watch out for, because if they don't watch out for them, those things can get the best of them. So let's jump in. Number one is ego. I know more than anyone else. Ego is I know more than anyone else. Years ago, someone said that ego is just an acronym that says edging God out, that whenever your ego blossoms, God is diminished in your life. But as a leader, um, our egos can get the best of us. And one of the ways it can get the best of us is that we think that we know more than anyone else. We think that we're the smartest person in the room. And let me just interject this. If you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong class because leaders know leadership is about learning. And being the smartest person in the room uh, means that you probably don't have a whole lot of options to learn. So change the room you're in. But ego, I know more than anyone else. Probably the classic example of this is a man named Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson, Uh, was the attorney representing uh, President Nixon uh, during the Watergate years. And Chuck Colson will openly tell you in his story that because he felt he was the smartest person in the room, that he almost took down a presidency and almost took down a democracy. He will talk about how, when he would walk in the room, that he truly uh, felt he had the answer to everything that he knew everything, and he didn't need to listen to anyone and because he didn't need to listen to anyone, he led in a way that almost cost this nation in one of the most dramatic ways possible now, Chuck Colson uh, is going to be sentenced to prison because of what he did during the Watergate uh, time but During that period of time, he's going to come to know Christ, and during that time, he's going to recognize that it was his need to say that he was the smartest person in the room that was the reason that he caused so much problem. What is he basically saying? His ego got the best of him. His ego was bigger than it needed to be. His ego was greater than it needed to be. We see a biblical example of this in the Old Testament in King Saul. God said to King Saul, you were great when you were small in your own eyes. See, ego is something that we always have to manage. Ego is something that we always have to understand because one of the dangers of leaders is this. We can never let our ego outgrow our heart. See, our heart, where we connect to God, is the most vital place in our life. And we're always to let our heart be bigger than our ego. And any time a leader lets their ego be bigger than their heart, then what happens is they're prone to problems. Now, when your heart's bigger than your ego, you have humility. And humility is the life extender of leaders. See, the reason most people don't lead for a long time is they lack the humility factor. They've let their ego become bigger than their heart. And so when you talk about enemies, every leader I know has an ego. All the good leaders I know have egos. All the bad leaders I know have egos. It's not having an ego. It's letting your ego become bigger than your heart. You have to keep it in its right place. You have to understand the condition that the ego needs to be in. It's not that you humiliate yourself. It's that because of where your heart is, you can humble yourself. Now, this particular issue, ego, I know more than anyone else. It has gotten so many leaders in trouble. It is an enemy that we have to watch out for. Number two is personal management. I am the exception to the rule. Personal management. I am the exception to the rule. See, a lot of times, uh, leaders have high expectations of others. They expect them to toe the line. They expect them to do all the little things. They expect them never to cut corners. But if you don't have personal management as a leader, what you'll start thinking is, I don't have to do what everyone else does. Now, in the organization that I lead, I realize that my job isn't the same as everyone else's. But I also recognize this that even though my job isn't the same as everyone else's the qualities and the characteristic with which I do my job is the same as everyone else's so i do my job with a sense of helpfulness i i do my job with a sense of sacrifice and dedication i do my job based on the characteristics of my job are no different than anyone else's but see any time I think I'm the exception. I don't have to be kind. I don't have to be considerate. I don't have to be thoughtful. I don't have to be loving. I don't have to be intentional. Anytime I think that, anytime I think that, I become an exception. So a lot of times what happens in leadership is leaders are great at projecting on others what they're not doing themselves. And here's the reality. You don't get to lead without knowing how to follow. Every great leader is a great follower. They know how to follow the rules. They know how to follow the standards. They know how to follow the integrity issues. They know how to follow. And if you are going to lead, then you have to know how to follow. But you cannot let your personal management be the area that allows you, oh, I don't have to do that. I'm not like everyone else. Well, I don't have to do that. That's not who I am. The truth of the matter is personal management in conducting our lives and conducting our jobs is the same. Whether you're the janitor or you're in the C-suite, you get to conduct yourself the same. There are things that are expected of you. No, you don't get to be angry. No, you don't get to be frustrated. No, you don't get to be impatient. No, you don't get to, and you fill in the blank. Here's the simple truth, personal management. I am the exception to the rule. So when we talk about enemies, we're talking about ego. I know more than anyone else, personal management. I'm the exception to the rule. Number three, habit control. Habit control says this, if I lack it, it won't hurt me. So when you lack habit control, you just think it won't hurt me. And what this ends up becoming is the old standard line, do what I say and not what I do. That somehow my habits, I can get away with what others cannot get away with. You know, years ago, I was reading an article And it was about the uh, Columbia uh, shuttle that blew up over Texas, literally, because I can remember the morning sitting on the couch, putting my shoes on, and you heard the concussion and you felt the concussion. Now, anyone growing up on a military base knows that when there's an explosion, there's the immediate explosion, but there's a concussion that goes out. And so immediately when I felt that, I said, something has blown up. But I didn't know what it was. I was heading out to take my son to a ball game. But a few minutes later, everyone was saying, do you realize that the shuttle blew up? That it blew up over North Texas? Well, uh, the reason it blew up was on takeoff, some of the uh, foam had been displaced by ice. Ice had fallen off. It had hit some of the foam areas that were to protect the shuttle from heat, and it had damaged those, and they fell off. Now, the interesting thing in this article is that they said 17 times before this flight, ice had fallen off and hit the foam. Now, in engineering, they call that a successful failure, and a successful failure is when you do something wrong, And it doesn't cause an immediate result. And because it hadn't caused a problem 17 times before, what happened is they assumed it would never cause a problem. And see, that's what happens in leadership. We think that because we did something and it didn't immediately cause a problem, that we can keep doing it. Well, I can keep being angry. I can keep being biting with my words. I can keep being angry. I can keep being bitter. And so we do that and we don't think that it has a negative result because we're like the space shuttle. The first 17 times it didn't affect us. But here's the things about habits. Habits form your life. And when you have a habit, good or bad, you eventually get the reward of that. And that reward can be positive or that reward can be negative. But in this particular case, the Bible gives us instructions. It says, God is not mocked, for he that sows to the flesh shall reap of the flesh, and he that sows to the spirit shall reap of the spirit. What is it saying? It says, don't get fooled. In your life, if you keep doing the same bad thing over again, You may get away with it for a while, but eventually you're going to reap. On the other hand, your good habits, if you keep doing them, you will reap. But habit control is, is that when we don't make our habits stay healthy and stay positive, and because we don't make them healthy and positive, eventually something happens. And so a lot of people will ask this question, how did my life end up where it is? How did I end up where it is? Well, it's just simple. It was one step at a time. You got there because you took a step. Now that step maybe didn't have negative results, but you kept taking a step and eventually you'll end up where you're going. And so habit control, it won't hurt me. I get to keep doing the same things. People do this with addictions all the time. They do it with alcohol. They do it with drugs. They do it with painkillers. They think it's no big deal. Because the first time it didn't cause a problem. The second time it didn't cause a problem. The third time it didn't. But eventually, it causes a problem. So when you interrupt people, when you're abrupt to people, when you don't listen to people... It may not have an effect the first time, but eventually those habits create an outcome. And when the outcome happens, what the Bible says is, don't ask why it occurred. Because in life, to the largest degree, we get what we do repeatedly over and over. So habit control. Number four, relationships the stepping stones to success. Relationships, the stepping stones to success. Now, I need to navigate this uh, just pretty delicately because I get that in leadership, there is this ongoing principle of networking. And that ongoing principle of networking is that you're always meeting people and engaging people. But I want to say that in the middle of networking, there's another question that needs to be involved. And that is, in our lives, we need to ask a better question than who do I need to know? And I get it. We all need to know people. Because I have great relationships with some high-powered people. It opens opportunity. I get that. And I know you get that. But in life, my only question cannot be who do I need to know? I need to ask a better question. Who do I need to help? See, I can't look at relationships as just being stepping stones. I have to enlarge those stones and say, maybe the reason I'm here is not so they can help me, but so I can help them. Maybe when I walk into the room, I don't look around and say, who do I need to meet? But I really need to ask the question, who do I need to help? And one of the things that I ask all the time to leaders is, who are you helping and how are you helping them? See, as a leader, you're always expecting people to help you, but you don't receive what you don't give. And so, who are you helping? Who are you helping that can never help you? Who are you helping that may never help you? Who are you helping? Now, we can go through stories of people going out of their way and helping someone that they didn't think would ever help them. And then down the road, that person was in a different position and did help them. And that's a great story. But here's the principle. If you're going to lead, you're going to help people at times who will never help you and can never help you. And relationships have to be bigger than stepping stones. They have to be opportunity stones where we take the opportunity to say, how can I help this person? Number five, anger. Nothing great starts with hate. Anger. Nothing great starts with hate. Here's what I can tell you about leadership. You can't lead and be mad. No leader can be an effective leader being mad. And you cannot lead and be effective if you're mad all the time. See, as a leader, you're a multiplier. Whatever you are, you multiply it. And you take that and you double down on it. So when you lead with anger, you create anger. And when you create anger, you get the results of anger. And what we find is that too many times, it is anger that is the downfall of a leader. It's said about Alexander the Great that one day he was frustrated. He picked up his sword and he just sort of swung around. But when he did it, one of his best friends was in the way and he literally cut open his throat. The man died. Alexander the Great made this statement. I've conquered the whole world, but I couldn't conquer me. I couldn't conquer anger. We'll see in life. Nothing great starts with hate. There's a lot of things that we dislike in the world. But when you lead, you have to lead from a better position than anger. Anger is the one reason that you can't lead. You can't lead with it because you multiply it. And if you multiply anger, you end up getting results you really, really don't want. Number six, complacency. I have done enough. See, for many leaders, we've done what we do for a lot of time. And we've done how we do what we do for a long time. But in the midst of doing what we do and how we do it for a long time, here's what we know. In life, complacency can get the best of us. And we begin to think, well, I've already done that. I don't need to do that again. Well, I've already learned. I don't need to keep learning. Well, I've already sacrificed. I don't need to keep sacrificing. But the reality is, is what starts you in leadership is what keeps you in leadership. And it's what sustains you in leadership. And it's what enables you to finish in leadership. You don't get to be less disciplined the longer you go in leadership. You get to be more disciplined. And one of the things that happens with leaders is they get sidetracked. They think yesterday's discipline guarantees tomorrow's success. But that's not true. Yesterday's discipline doesn't guarantee. What it guaranteed was yesterday. It doesn't guarantee tomorrow. And so in life, yesterday's sacrifice is today's comfort zone. And see... Your comfort zone today is based on the sacrifices you made yesterday. But that comfort zone only changes when you make new sacrifices today. Number seven, history. I can't get over the past. I can't get over the past. See, a lot of leaders get caught in a time loop. They are the historians of their organization. They were there when they tried things and they were there when they did things. But in life, history is just that. It tells us about the past. But if you're going to lead, you've got to lead into the future. And so when you begin to lead into the future, you've got to say no to the past. Now, there are things that you can learn from the past and implement in the future, but you do not reproduce the past. Biblically, it goes like this. Behold, I do a new thing. Remember the former things no more. Isaiah 43 and verse 18. What God's saying to you is this. I have a future. And I want you to be more focused on the future than you are with the past. And that future is something that I want you to be focused on. So here we go. The enemies list. Ego. I know more than anyone else. Personal management. I'm the exception to the rule. Habits. It won't hurt me. Relationships. Stepping stones to the success. Anger. Nothing great starts with hate. Complacency. I have done enough and history. I can't get over the past. These are the enemies that sidetrack a lot of leaders. Maybe you need to be honest right now and do an internal look and say, hey, this is where I'm at. But I think this list could help you in your leadership journey. Thank you so much for joining me. Again, if you do me a favor, tell someone about the podcast. Let them know about it. Also, if you would do me this favor, uh, if you would Look at the upcoming roundtables and sign up for one of them. I'd love to meet you face-to-face. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.